and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teachers Life Podcast, the podcast for teachers and parents who are helping young readers and writers thrive. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus. This is episode 13, which is airing in early April. So happy spring. I'm really enjoying the warmer days right now as uh, winter comes to an end and we're getting into spring. So I'm recording this at the end of March, and I just attended a really great literacy conference here on Long Island, and I met the teacher and children's author, John Shu. John has a new book out, and it's called This is a Story. He has another book called This is a School. Both are great books. I highly recommend them for your kids and your classroom. And John's great. He has so much energy. He's very passionate and encouraging about getting kids reading and about sharing his books with teachers and going into classrooms. I think he said he was in five different classrooms on Long Island before the conference, and I think he was heading to more afterwards. So really fun. I also heard the teacher and consultant Kelly Gallagher speak about writing, and he shared so many different strategies for getting kids writing and encouraging kids to write and making it manageable for teachers. So that was really great as well. So today is going to be a bit of a mixed bag episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about running records and share an experience I had with a running record recently. Then I'm going to talk about some of the benefits of long-term planning, something that I've been doing with both of my classes this semester. And at the end, I'm going to get into some writing practices. So with that, let's get started. So the first thing on today's literacy list is running records. To give a little bit of background information, running records are formative assessments. They inform teachers about what the kids are doing so that teachers can make decisions about what to teach the students. So running records provide information that teachers need to make wise teaching decisions. During the running record assessment, the child reads the text, and then the teacher marks down what the child is doing as they're reading aloud. So the assessment helps teachers understand how children are reading in terms of how they're decoding the words and how they're paying attention to the meaning or the comprehension of the text. There is an oral language component and a comprehension component to the running record. So you really get a sense of what the child is doing when they're reading. So I like to assess students pretty regularly so that I can see how their reading has progressed and what skills and strategies they're attending to. Most of the time, kids sit down, they begin the reading of the text, and after they finish the reading, they answer the comprehension questions. That's pretty much it. 
the assessment takes about five to 10 minutes because remember, you have to do this with the whole class. So there's not, you can't spend tons of time on each assessment. But something that crossed my mind this past week is what happens when the child will not speak much during the running record assessment? What do you as the teacher do? So this happened on Monday during the literacy clinic that we run at SUNY Old Westbury. And one of the students that I work with had this experience with her, the third grade student she's working with. The teacher decided to try a level D book with the student that she's working with this semester. The student is learning English. So she thought the level A or B would be too easy for the child. And she might be around a C or a D. So she decided to go with the D. So as I said, the student's an emergent reader. She's learning to read. She's also still learning about the sounds that the letters make. So she started the running record. And at times, at the beginning of the story in particular, the child was reading pretty well. Then all of a sudden, she would stop. And when she stopped, she would stare at the words on the page, not the picture, but the words, and just sit there. So the teacher who was working with her did a fabulous job. She let her have the wait time that she needed. She did not rush her. She took the time. This is one-to-one instruction. So it wasn't as though she had other students who she needed to assess. When the child was sitting there for a while, the student would ask her if she needed help with the word. So she would say, would you like me to tell you the word? So if the child said yes, which was most of the time, the teacher did give her the word and it got her back into the reading. So she did a great job getting her back into it and letting her get into the story so she wasn't just stopping. So this did happen many times throughout the oral reading. And as she was doing this, I questioned how her comprehension would be if she was stopping that many times and pausing. Well, Once she got to the comprehension questions, she was extremely quiet. So as I said, both the teacher I work with and I questioned if she understood at all what she had just read. And again, this teacher did such a great job working with her. She would ask the questions that were in the assessment, but then she would provide support and scaffolding and really broke the questions down to see if this student did understand what she had just read. So, for example, the last question was about whether or not the child liked the book's ending and why or why not, why she liked it or why she didn't like it. She had to then explain. So she asked the question. The child was completely silent. So the teacher waited. She didn't rush her. She asked her to look at the last page of the book, which I thought was great. So she took her right to the last page so she could see what happened. And she asked her to look at it and ask the question again, did you like the ending of this book? And again, the child was silent. So after waiting a while, felt like a long time, probably was not as long as it felt. The teacher said, you seem to be having trouble thinking about why you didn't like the ending. Do you want to change your answer? Do you think you actually liked the ending? So the child nodded and said she did like the ending. And then she was able to give a reason as to why she liked the ending. 
So as I said, running records should last about five to 10 minutes. This running record assessment lasted between 15 to 20 minutes, probably closer to the 20 minute mark. The teacher who conducted the running record did such an amazing job supporting the students. And afterwards, I said to her, oh my goodness, you learned so much about what is happening with this child when she is reading. So we discussed how she learned what type of instruction she needs to plan. So for example, the child needs support with vocabulary to help build her background knowledge. The story had a picture of a skunk and the child wasn't familiar with this animal. She didn't know what a skunk was and she kept calling it a chipmunk as she was reading. So that did not help with the ending because the ending was about the skunk being in the room and all of the other animals leaving because it's a skunk. This child also needs support with foundational skills, such as phonics and phonological awareness. She was confusing many of the sounds and was really struggling to blend with blends and digraphs. She wasn't able to blend certain sounds together. So that is a struggle for her in a place where she could use some direct instruction. In terms of comprehension, the teacher can plan instruction to support the child with retelling right now. So she can work on helping her retell what happened in the story. She might want to start with looking at the beginning, the middle, and the ending of a story to break it apart a little bit and to follow the sequence. So both of us felt that would be a good starting point for her rather than jumping in with inferencing. I mentioned that the book level was a level D. And we realized after this running record was conducted that this level is currently too difficult for the student. And it was too difficult a level for her to be reading for instruction. But it was definitely not a waste of this teacher's time to use the level D with the child because she learned so much about her when she's reading. And waiting it out really did provide the necessary support that allowed my student to see what the child can do on her own and also see what she needs support with when she's reading. So I thought this was such a great example of what happens when the running record does not go completely as it is supposed to. And oftentimes we learn in college that if it's too hard, you should go to an easier or a lower level book. But I was really glad that this student stuck with the level D so that she could see all that is happening with this child when she's reading. And it was a great example that sometimes you do have to be patient and give the child time to try and read the book on his or her own to see what's happening. Wait time is definitely not my strength as a teacher, but I do know how necessary it is at times. And I have to say this student did such a great job giving this child the wait time that she needed. So it got me thinking about conducting running records that don't go as planned. And what do you do with that? And I think it's just such a great example of you get so much information from these assessments, even when they don't go the way that they're expected to. So just something to think about when you're conducting a running record. The next item on today's literacy list is long-term planning. So why is this on today's list? So this semester, 
I assigned both of my classes an assignment to write a scope and sequence for a unit that they were either going to teach in the literacy clinic or for the writing class, a writing unit that they were going to teach with a child partner. So I was really flexible about what constitutes a unit. So for example, two students who are in my writing class are writing a unit about writing responses or just responding in general to children's literature that they're reading with their students. So they want to read a children's book with the kids and then have them do some type of written response or writing activity after the read aloud. And I think this is a great example because the goal that I want my students to think about is planning a series of lessons that build on one another rather than just thinking about one read aloud and one written response for one day and then doing it a couple of days later with another book. But rather than think of the lessons in isolation, look at them together and think of how they can progress and build on one another and just how you can scaffold the skills. So this seems to have really helped change my students' thinking about planning. And it can be hard to plan more long-term because things change, assemblies come up, field trips happen, kids are sick, and then plans have to shift. But as I've been telling my students this semester, the more long-term planning that you do, it really helps you think through the skills and the strategies that you want to teach the students in your classroom you make sure you're building on the lessons rather than just teaching these one-off lessons in isolation here and there. And you can really think about how the kids can progress and how, as you're going through the unit, how you can challenge them a little bit more. So I personally have seen the benefit of this with my students who are in the literacy clinic this semester. So I'll give an example One student is working with a second grade boy who is an excellent writer. He loves soccer and she has decided to help him do some research about two soccer players. I think he likes both of them, but I'm not sure. Uh, Two soccer players. And she's teaching him to read, to take information. And he's writing a book about the two soccer players. So the first couple of lessons, she was planning them to teach him and they weren't really building on on one another. Now that after she's done the scope and sequence, you can really see the progression of her lessons and how she's getting him to work on skills that he needs for this book that he's writing and also reading skills for finding the research that he wants to include in his book. And it's great because he's really enjoying the work. He's being challenged, but he's so engaged. And she's seeing a progression because she's done this long-term planning. So again, it's just something to think about how you use long-term planning in your teaching and in your curriculum. And I'm just curious, does this help your instruction to plan more long-term rather than plan individual lessons? Okay, so the last item on today's literacy list is getting kids writing and writing a lot. In order for kids to improve their writing skills, they need to write and they actually need to write a lot. 
Volume is important so that they keep doing the work and practicing these skills on a regular basis. I tried this with my writing class last week. So this semester, I'm taking my writing class through an opinion writing unit so that they get a sense of how to plan writing lessons for the elementary classroom. They are also teaching a writing unit of their choice to elementary age students outside of class. So they can get to see what it's like with me and then they plan their own instruction. Anyways, in order to get my students to write, I planned writing centers for them all focused on opinion writing. One center was focused on nonfiction books. The students had to go through a variety of books about different animals, find facts about an animal that interested them, and write them, and they had to write them down. After they wrote the facts down about the animal, they had to write an opinion piece making a case for why they liked or didn't like a particular animal that they chose for the facts. They had to use the facts that they had pulled from the books to make their case. So that was center one. The next center had opinion sentence starters such as, would you rather? And I believe that the students could write about any topic of their choice. And there actually was a really great group piece about, would you rather be on Team Selena or Team Haley? So it was very on point for today's celebrity news. And they had the option of writing about any topic of their choice. This was actually a great center to work on in either pairs or as a small group so that there could be a lot of collaboration. The third center had opinion prompts. I had the prompts. I printed them out, cut them into strips and put them into a big bowl. And the students, they had to pick a prompt and begin writing about it. Once they were done with writing about one prompt, I told them to draw a line under that piece and then pick another one to respond to. So while working on this, the students had a lot of fun talking to each other and sharing ideas. The fourth center was using the mentor text, I Want an Iguana by Karen Kaufman Orloff. And the students had already read the book, so they were familiar with it. They didn't have to read the whole thing in its entirety. They could go to different sections instead. And using this format of writing letters, they had to write a letter about something that they wanted, and then they had to convince the person to get it for them. So I had a graphic organizer to help scaffold this writing for them, and Then they got into the writing piece, and it was really fun to hear about some of the things that the students in my class want. And a vacation seemed to be a very popular answer for many of them. And finally, the most fun center of the group were the mystery boxes. So I had four mystery boxes with different toys and kids' items inside of the boxes. And there's a hole in each box for the students to stick their hands in. They just can't peek. They had to stick their hands into the box, feel what was in there, and make a guess about what was inside. After they did that, they had to write their opinion about what was in the box. They had to make an argument for what was inside the box using as many adjectives as possible to describe the objects that they felt. And they had so much fun with this one. It was very interactive. They were touching the boxes, seeing what's inside and then discussing it with their group, and then writing about it. 
So at the end of the centers, the class had actually done a decent amount of writing. Everyone had at least five pieces, one from every center. Some had more. So what do you do as the teacher now? And this is the question I asked them. I said, okay, now you have all of this writing from the kids in the class. What do you do with it? It is a lot for you as the teacher to look at. So here's my secret. As the teacher, you can't expect to look at, read, and assess each piece of writing that your students do. It's just not realistic, especially if they're writing every day, which is great if they do because then you're increasing their writing volume. So I told my class that if your students are writing every day, don't collect the writing on a daily basis. Have them keep it in their folder. And at the end of the week, give them a post-it note. Let them pick the one piece of writing they want you to read. And that's the piece you read and give them advice or feedback on. So this was one of the tips that I got from Kelly Gallagher's talk at this conference. And it's a good one because it's effective and it's efficient. I've never been one to read every piece of writing my students do, but I love the idea of having them pick what they want you to read. And that's the one that you give them feedback or advice on. It gets the kids writing, but it keeps you as the teacher sane in terms of giving feedback. So some of the takeaways from implementing the centers with my students were that they really loved them. They were very engaged. Everyone was writing. I was really impressed. I didn't have to go over and get anyone into the writing. They just went in and started on their own. And even with adults, I've had to go over and encourage them to get started with the writing. But that wasn't the case with this. There was also a lot of productive conversation happening during the writing centers. And the students realized how many ideas they were getting for their own writing from speaking with the others in their small group. So we discussed how talk is so important when you're teaching kids to write. It's how they get ideas. It's how they share with others. It's how they hear their own writing. So one thing to think about is how do you allow kids to speak during writing time in your own classroom? And before we end, I want to end on a positive note with something that's going well in my own literacy life. And that is the say something strategy. And this is used to support students when discussing a text that they are reading. So I used this in my class last week and it worked really well. So sometimes I'll assign readings and the students won't always want to discuss them or that it takes a little bit to get into them. This is with any, with any group of students, whether it's at the elementary level, middle, high school, college. Sometimes they just are slow to get into it. And we all are. So this is a strategy that can help with discussion. And what it is, is you put the students into groups And as a group, they get to negotiate how far they're going to read in the book before stopping. So they pick their stopping points until they get to the end of a chapter or the end of the assigned reading. And they only need to stop four times. They get to negotiate where they stop. When they stop reading at the first checkpoint, they need to write down a thought or an idea or a question that they have about the book, about that particular about what they've read up until that point. And as I said, this can be done multiple times throughout the book. And 
then at the end, as a group, they each go through and share their say somethings. And they don't have to relate to one another. They can be completely different. And then at the end, they discuss everything that they've shared and come up with a reflection about the entire text that they've read. And this was really nice. It worked really well with my students because they were in charge of the discussion rather than me as the teacher leading it. They really decided how they were going to discuss the book. And then they did the work on their own with each other, which was really nice. It was very student-driven, which is what I was hoping for with this particular book discussion. Okay, so that's it for today's episode. I hope I said something that makes you think about running records or planning or writing a little bit differently. I'll be back in two weeks. And until then, you can find me on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. Or you can check out my blog at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Until next time, have a great two weeks. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at theliteracyteacherslife. My email address is elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.